Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Danny Parkin Show. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. CBS Sports Radio, radio radio.com sports, Sirius 206. I'm at Danny Parkins on Twitter, 855 212 Four two two seven is the number coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studio. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. Week two almost in the books. We just have Browns and Jets tomorrow night. A fantastic day of games. My goodness gracious. I'm here in Chicago. Bears saved their season and found a kicker, even if concerns over quarterback continue to mount and boil who boy is it getting uncomfortable in Chicago with Mitch Trubisky he's struggling to complete passes down the field Pat Mahomes who they could have had is throwing for 278 yards and four touchdowns in a quarter Deshaun Watson is just leadership and clutch personified could have had both of them that's getting uncomfortable the league is in a great spot I don't know if you guys were concerned in the post Brady Manning world of the NFL for quarterbacks, but there was a gap there for a few years where there really wasn't a talented group of quarterbacks that came in. It was, you had all the old heads, you had like Rogers at 35 and then you had rivers who was still getting it done. Roethlisberger for the most part breeze and Brady. So you had that group of like five Matt Ryan, maybe right behind Rogers then Andrew Luck at 29, and then there's a gap. But now the 25 and under crew, it's unbelievable. You got Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. That is stacked. Hopefully Josh Allen plays his way into it. Hopefully Mitch Trubisky plays his way into it, but that's a legitimate eight quarterbacks who are good to go here. And I think you'd be crazy if you didn't rank it. Pat Mahomes won like Pat, Pat Mahomes. I know some of my listeners in Chicago are getting frustrated with me talking about him, but I'm a bears fan. I'm not a chiefs fan. I, my mom's family's from KC. I covered the chiefs for six years. I did afternoons there. I don't root against the Chiefs. I want them to do well. I want Andy Reid eventually to win a Super Bowl. So I'll admit my bias is goes that far. But it is not some sort of hot revolutionary take to say that Pat Mahomes is the new face of the NFL and that he is revolutionizing what is possible at the position before our very eyes. And you can say it's a product of the era if you want. Fine. He's got seven touchdowns in two games. He had four touchdowns in a quarter. He said 300 plus passing yards in the first half of each of the first two games. 
He has the most passing yards through the first 20 starts of an NFL career, and he did that last week on his 18th start. He had a, he's the youngest guy, him and Marino, to win an MVP. I asked Therese Paler, who's a Hall of Fame voter, by the way, Pro Football Hall of Fame, Canton, tough one to get in. This man studies football. He knows the history of the game. He is one of the gatekeepers to the Museum of Professional Football. I asked Therese Paler, over, under, Pat Mahomes, MVPs, two and a half, taking the over or the under, doesn't miss a beat, says over. I say, you know what that means, right? Peyton Manning had five. No one had four. Jim Brown, Brett Favre, Tom Brady, the only ones with three. He goes, yep, I know what I'm saying. Any of you want to bet against Pat Mahomes getting three-plus MVPs? I certainly wouldn't. So if Pat Mahomes gets three-plus MVPs, he's a first-ballot Hall of Famer, and he will, depending on how much he wins be in line for the conversation of GOAT status because obviously Brady doesn't have the most MVPs, but he's got the most rings. Rodgers had been the most talented quarterback that I had ever seen play the position. Manning controlled the game like no one I had ever seen. Brady, the best winner. But Mahomes, he's like, he's like Aaron Rodgers if he had a great coach and great skill position players and played immediately. It's remarkable to watch. So you might get sick of it eventually. I don't know how you could. I find it to be an incredibly fun story. So Mahomes is the best player in the NFL. And I don't know how anyone could debate it at 855-212-4CBS. It's his world and we're all living in it. But I like the new shiny objects. You know, you go to the auto show, you don't go to look at the Camrys. You go to look to see what's new, what's exciting. And... I think there is a real chance that by the end of this year, we're saying Pat Mahomes, best player in the NFL, Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, they're the most fun. Kyler Murray, first rookie since Cam Newton to throw for 300 yards plus in his first two NFL games. So think about what we thought about Kyler Murray as a runner, and he comes in at 5'9", and throws for 300-plus in each of his first two games. Tremendous poise, big playability, passing from the pocket. Absolutely incredible. On the road as a 13-point dog, hanging in late in the fourth quarter against Baltimore. And then Lamar Jackson did something today that Steve Young, Randall Cunningham, Mike Vick, Cam Newton have never done. First player in NFL history with at least 250 yards passing and 120 yards rushing in the same game. All he's doing so far is completing 72% of his passes with seven touchdowns and zero turnovers. Pat Mahomes, the favorite for MVP. Lamar Jackson is second right now through two games as we're doing MVP watch. But this league is healthy. This league is healthy when it comes to young quarterbacks. I do think that there is a bit of a question on how sustainable Lamar Jackson and... Kyler Murray and their style of play is. But Kyler Murray's got some Russell Wilson to him where he doesn't seem to take big hits. He didn't take big hits in college. And Lamar Jackson is so good at passing the football that he's not running as much as we thought. Now, he ran a ton today, but he is he's also doing a nice job of eluding contact. And quarterbacks are so protected today 
it's interesting that they might be comets instead of glaciers. Like glaciers stay around for forever. Comets, if you could see one, you appreciate it even in its brevity because you can't help but marvel at its beauty. Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson might be comets, but wow, are they enjoyable. That game was, I'd have those two teams play each other 14 more times if I could. That game was awesome. Cliff Kingsbury took a ton of crap for not winning with Pat Mahomes in college and getting fired in the Big 12 and then getting promoted to the NFL. I watched a ton of that game today because have Lamar on one fantasy team, Kyler on another, bet on the Cardinals today, have the Ravens over. So that was one of the the games we put on the, the three TVs today. Man, Cliff Kingsbury had me going, whoa, what was that? Multiple times. That was really, really fun. I Arizona needs a lot more talent around them. They're s- super young. They're not ready to win anything anytime soon. But do not sleep on Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. I I want to be in early on that. Everyone was skeptical at the draft because five nine. But yeah, I'm I'm in on Kyler Murray at least as a show. I cannot. I can't take my eyes off the kid. He is incredible. So that was the fun of today. The bad of today is what we were talking about in the last segment, and I want to recap it briefly because I know that approximately 150 radio stations just started listening. I think the NFL has a Pandora's box problem with officiating. I think the NFL created a rule to eliminate a problem from the NFC Championship game last year, but in doing so, And making pass interference reviewable, you created a bunch of new problems, and now you've actually opened yourself up to some of the lowest form of debate, the old slippery slope argument. I normally hate slippery slope arguments, but that's exactly what they've done. Because the NFL basically has said, pass interference is a more important penalty to get right than all of the other ones, and we know that that's wrong. Why is pass interference more worthy of review than roughing the passer? Roughing the passer absolutely altered the outcome of Bears Broncos today. Why, if you can review pass interference and you go back to watch whether or not interference happened and you see another penalty clear as day in the video review, can you not call it? Oh, because illegal contact isn't reviewable. That happened in the Panthers-Bucks game from Thursday night. And then Saints-Rams, uh, what was it, 80-plus-yard touchdown return off the fumble that Cam Jordan would have had for the Saints? Whistle blows the play dead, cost the Saints a touchdown. No way to overturn that, no way to review it. Can't fix that problem. So you've got Dean Blandino questioning your officials on national TV. You've got, in the Thursday night national TV game, slowing a game down, confusing your audience, going to replay for a penalty that you can't call, messing that up, and then altering the outcome of Bears-Broncos by not making roughing the pass reviewable. And don't get it twisted. More than one call made the difference in that game, and it happened against the Bears twice with Eddie Goldman and Leonard Floyd, but Bradley Chubbs was the last one, so there was no time for the Broncos to overcome that egregiously terrible call. 
So pass interference is broken. Roughing the passer is uh, broken. Russell Wilson got almost decapitated today. No flag was called. No ejection happened. So you've got some of your most high-profile rules in the game broken, only one of them reviewable and under challenge, and they're not even getting that right, and we're only two weeks into this stupid experiment. I'd scrap it tomorrow. I'd say we messed up. Penalties are no longer reviewable. We've got the best officials in the world. It's a tough game to officiate. Human error has been a problem, or it's not been a problem. It's been a part of this game since the beginning of time. Until we invent robots that can officiate everything and we put sensors in the ball, we're still using chains to measure first downs, we're going to have some human error. Deal with it. That's what I would do. Because this is making the viewing product worse. And you shouldn't allow your rules and your instant replay and your officials to ever take away from a game as beautiful and as strategic and as complex as the NFL is in 2019. Why would you want to risk Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, or Pat Mahomes having one of their games marred by an idiotic pass interference review? It's silly and unnecessary. 855-212-4CBS is the number weighing in on the biggest stories of week two of the NFL season. Dave is in Boston. He's on the Danny Parkin Show. Dave, thanks for calling. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Of course. Yeah, so... Yeah, um, I just want to talk, talk about the. Fa- I mean, Mahomes, I want to talk about Mahomes and the fact that even uttering the fact of great. I know he's on a trajectory, but you're you're starting. I think it, it gets overblown this greatest of all time thing, and you even kind of uttering that this is the trajectory he's on. He's such a great player. He's he's unbelievable. He's great for the league. He, he's sensational. But kind of referring to him as on the path to be the greatest ever is ridiculous in my opinion we thought about that for Andrew Luck thought about that for other players it's just he's so insanely far away from that point I I think you just have to appreciate how he's playing now before we can even utter anything close to that listen he's got 15 years left of a career of course anything could happen he could retire he could be hurt he could get he won't get traded uh Andy Reid could leave It, it could all fall apart I'm just saying Youngest guy to win an MVP, him and Marino. He's got the skill position guys. He's got the coach, and he seems to have the makeup. I just, I'm not calling him the GOAT. That's ridiculous. I am just a big believer in appreciating what we have as we're witnessing it. For sure. And I think you would be doing a disservice if we didn't point out that this guy is doing things that literally we've never seen in the history of this sport. And if a Hall of Fame voter tells me that he's going to have the same number of MVPs as Tom Brady and Brett Favre, I I can't ignore that in terms of the context here. He's just so – everyone, everyone that's ever played is so far away from Brady, it's ridiculous. What he's done in the playoffs, what he's done in the regular season, what he's done – he was – 30 seconds away from an undefeated season. And everyone forgets about that. And he has six Super Bowls. Like, he is so far away from how great of a winner, a leader. Like, Mahomes is, is awesome. I think, he's, I think he has the ability to be way better than Rodgers. Rodgers is overrated. He can't stay healthy. He doesn't have the winning mentality like Brady does. You know, I, can, I, just, can I ask you a question, though, Dave? Tom because I, so far ahead of everyone, it's not even close. So, it's, so it's, Dave, this is a uh, stance that I have that isn't very popular, but I – 
I say that Tom Brady is the best winning quarterback ever. If I needed a two-minute drive, it's Brady. If I needed a clutch throw, it's Brady. If I had to play a Super Bowl, it's Brady because the guy's got ice water through his veins. But the act of quarterbacking, right, the skill of quarterbacking, an NFL general manager's job is to isolate individual talent within the team game. Can you honestly tell me that Tom Brady is more talented than Pat Mahomes. Can you honestly say that? I mean, come on. I, I, if, if talent if talent alone made you a great quarterback, then athletes everywhere would be great quarterbacks. Tom Brady is great because he, because he can, other than running around the field, he has mobility in the pocket. He has, he has the ability to just, I mean, quarterbacking is more than just running around and throwing a perfect ball 50 yards down the field. Yeah, of course it of, of course it is, but I, I'm just I'm just saying like Brady is a product of a great system, right? Like he's got the best coach in the history of the sport. What? I don't believe that anymore. He was he was for about six years, and all of a sudden, these last twelve years, he's been by far the best player in the game, like by far. And it's I mean, his peers voted him the best NFL player three times. Oh, I know. Listen, he's he's amazing, and that's what I'm saying. Like people take this as a knock on Brady. Huh? You're not a system quarterback when you when you throw 50 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and go 30 seconds away from under. You're just not a system quarterback anymore. You are the system. You are the. It's. I I know what you're trying to say. Mahomes is. If he's on, if he continues on the path, like he's he's going to be unstoppable for years. Yeah. Listen, I I appreciate the call. Like. To me, when I watch when I watched Peyton Manning, I found him to be more impressive than Brady in a lot of ways. Four Super Bowls with four different coaches, like he was the system. Brady is a product of Belichick's system. He went sixteen and zero. The next year, they win eleven games with Matt Castle. He got Jimmy Garoppolo paid. He got Matt Castle play, paid. Like Belichick is amazing. Brady is also amazing. I don't look at this as a knock on Brady. I just say. If I'm watching a talent at the position standalone, I think that Brady has been in this system that has elevated him, and he certainly has maximized it. Again, no shade. Greatest winner in the history of the sport. Not a better compliment I can give him than that. But there are guys who are more physically talented at the position. More accurate, stronger arm, more mobile. And Mahomes seems to have everything in front of him and I enjoy appreciating the greatness as it's ascending and as we're watching it and I just can't imagine knocking that guy right now or denying yourself that pleasure 855-212-4CBS is the number more of your calls on week two of the NFL season and the other side of that coin we're talking superlatives and greatness who boy do we have a stinker of a story in this NFL season it's the Danny Parkin show CBS sports radio this is the Danny Parkin Show. Thanks for hanging out. It's the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio, radio.com sports. I am at Danny Parkins on Twitter. You could always interact with me online there, but you could also call the show, 855-212-4227. That's CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. This is an odd thing. 
people are pushing back on the idea of Pat Mahomes' greatness. We don't need to debate everything, guys. It's not necessary. He had one of the three greatest statistical seasons a quarterback's ever had last year, and he's backing it up again this year. Don't We don't need to debate everything. The question is going to be how great and how long can he sustain it, not whether or not it's actually true. The opposite end of that spectrum, though, is the Miami Dolphins. I think they have 0-16 written all over them, and I think this story is going to get ugly. Last week, it was Minka Fitzpatrick. This week, it's Kenyon Drake. A couple more blowouts, a couple boos at home, a couple no-shows. You get some fans wearing bags on their head. You get some protests. You get some leaked anonymous sort, like Mike Silver has a 4,000-word expose at NFL.com. And get real ugly real fast in Miami. I think we're going to see some trades, and I think we're going to see some leaked stories, and I feel terrible for Brian Flores. A defensive-minded coach with a system that he can't replicate coming from New England for a team that's tanking, trying to pick their next quarterback of the future. Whenever they pick that quarterback, either this year or next year, then they'll hire an offensive coach to pair with that quarterback because if you have a young star quarterback and your head coach is defensive-minded and your offensive coordinator does really well, they just get promoted to head coach elsewhere, and then you're changing coordinators for your young star quarterback. So Brian Flores has the worst job in the NFL. He is set up to fail, and it's impossible for him to succeed. And then when he ultimately gets fired for an offensive mind to coach the quarterback that he lost enough games to enable the Dolphins to be able to win, Brian Flores will have a tough time getting another head coaching job in the NFL because he'll have an 0-16 record on his resume. So I feel terrible for Brian Flores. There's only 32 of these jobs. I get it. I understand why you took it. You probably didn't know that this was going to be the plan when you took the job. And if you did, more power to you. You wanted to get the head coaching job. You had the ego to believe that you would be able to get it done. But that is a no-win situation. Not at all. Let's go to Seattle and welcome Dre to CBS Sports Radio real quick. What's up, Dre? Hey, sir, I tried to call you and Mac uh, earlier last earlier this week, or earlier last week, to ask you this question. I got a uh, little, little uh, I want to go over Mitch Trubisky's play today, but how do you have uh, the same draft class as Mahomes, uh, Watson, and Trubisky? You bring them all in there and watch them work out and then watch their film and come out picking Trubisky over somebody you just called Mahomes one of the, was going to be one of the greatest of all time. And Man, Watson is not a joke. I, see, the, the, the Mahomes thing, I think that you can explain. And the way you can explain it is he didn't win big in college, and literally, this is not hyperbole, no Big 12 quarterback had ever succeeded in the NFL. It was, it was a, a lot of it, passing. It was a gimmicky conference with no tackling, no defense. You know, you could just go through, you go through all the Texas quarterbacks and the Oklahoma quarterbacks and, you know, Sam Bradford and you go through all of them. And it just, it never worked. So Pat Mahomes, I think you can say, all right, no one thought he was going to be this good. If they did, he would go number one overall. Right. Deshaun 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 Watson. Watson Listen, same competition. Played against the same competition and won a national title for I three know. years. And of course, 
I know he beat he beat Bama once, and he had 400 passing yards and 100 rushing yards against Bama in a loss. Like I I know, but in fairness, okay. in fairness, 11 11 teams passed on him. It's not like Mitch went one, Mahomes went two, and Watson went three. Miles Garrett went one, Mitch went two, Mahomes went ten, and Deshaun Watson went twelve. So. The rest of the league agreed with the Bears because if the league thought Deshaun Watson was the best player overall and he was available at three, someone would have took him at three. So whatever the Bears didn't see in Watson, the rest of the league didn't also. Do you trust the Bears uh, handling this situation going forward? Because I give Nagy, he didn't pick pick him, but Nagy was on board with him. But he didn't pick him. And I don't think, and and real quick, uh, Danny, uh, the, the play today, if, the play that he got lucky on in that pass to Robinson, I, I saw a difference between Flacco and him. Flacco has so much pocket presence. Even when uh, even when, when our boy uh, Mac was all over him, he, al- he always had his eye on the receiver and knew where his receivers were. And the only thing that stopped him was when he got hit or his arm got knocked down. But if he, if he can lock in, if he knew where receivers were, he can get hit in that pocket and throw it. And get it out, get it out. This Trubisky on that last play, you'll see he he didn't know where he was and, and saw that oh I, nobody's about to sack me. Ran forward and and he saw uh, Robinson there. His pocket presence and his ability. Yeah, to he look he at got he got people. happy feet before he stepped up. Dre, I got to run, man. I I appreciate the call. Listen, the last play of the game is the only reason why Mitch Trubisky will not be totally eviscerated and crushed in the Chicago newspapers and on Chicago radio tomorrow. He'll still be criticized because it was another bad game, and Matt Nagy had to play that game with training wheels on his third-year quarterback, second year in the system. But I'm not going to crush him for that last play. It was a nice job stepping up in the pocket, finding Robinson. Robinson got down, gave himself up. Mitch called the timeout. He was aware of time score circumstance. Like of all the things to criticize Mitch Trubisky on, I'm not going to criticize him for the play that actually put them in field goal position to win the game. This is the Danny Parkin show. Thanks for hanging out. 855-212-4CBS week two, almost in the book. Some of the, uh, you know, day of recap articles are posting with the Elias Sports Bureau notes and information. I, I know it's a different era, but um, to that Pat Mahomes conversation from earlier, listen to this stat. Or here, Ryan. Are, is Ryan Hickey available, my executive producer, to hop yes, on sir. a mic? Okay. I want you. So Pat Mahomes today, I have, I have the list here of uh, – some quarterbacks who have done a couple of different things. And I want to put Pat Mahomes into uh, context for you. Four passing touchdowns for Pat Mahomes. This was the eighth time he's done that. All right. Eighth time Pat Mahomes has had four passing touchdowns in a game. Do you want to take a guess how many times Joe Montana threw for eight passing or for four passing touchdowns? Ooh, I would say um, twice. Also eight times. So Pat Mahomes in 19 career starts has thrown for four passing touchdowns, eight times. Joe Montana did it eight times in 192 career games. So, and it's again, different era. It's a different era. How about this one? This is the sixth time in Pat Mahomes' career 
that he threw for 300-plus yards with four touchdowns. Joe Montana did it six times. Steve Young did it six times. Tony Romo did it six times. Matt Stafford did it six times. Pat Mahomes has already done it six times. Those guys are either retired Hall of Famers or have been in the league for 10-plus seasons in Stafford's case. The pace is just incomprehensible. He is playing a totally different sport. Brandon in California wants to weigh in on the Bears, which is one of the absolute worst feelings you could have in the team winning a football game today. Brandon, what's up, man? You're on CBS Sports Radio. Thanks for calling. Hey, Danny. How are you tonight? Good, buddy. Good. Hey, I wanted to um, just chime in about a couple things. Uh, That was probably – that was a very interesting way to officiate a football game. It just – it smelled. It looked funny. Um, I so I wanted to get your thoughts on that. The next thing I wanted to ask you about is you mean in the idea uh, of it like being fixed for the Bears? No, no, I because it went both ways. It just it, it just felt weird. I officiate too, um, not football, but I do basketball, and it I don't know. It just felt funny to me. It, it felt yeah, like the, we we were talking about it a bit earlier. I roughing the passer is broken in the NFL because. Gravity is a thing, and so guys fall when you hit someone and you fall. It's hard not to fall on them, and you're not supposed to fall with your weight on them. And if you do, it can be interpreted as spearing. And you know, I thought Leonard Floyd's was bad. I thought Eddie Goldman's was worse, and I yeah. thought Bradley Chubb's was the worst of them all. Like it, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse in that game. So. It's yeah. it's a really really tough call to officiate based on how the rule is written. Yeah, yeah, and then um, the next thing I wanted to ask you about is: Do you think with the Bears, can you have too many offensive weapons? And then the last thing, and I'll, then I'll hang up and let you get going. Um, is how much longer do you think that Matt, Matt Nagy is capable of being the play caller, or is Brad Childress around? Is uh, Dave Ragone? Like, will one of them take it over before season's end? So, no chance. Yeah. I, 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 listen, I mean, I appreciate the call, but Matt Nagy's waited his whole life for this opportunity. If he's not, if he's not calling the plays, he's going to see himself as lesser than. You know, Andy Reid would give a, and Matt Nagy only worked for Andy Reid, he worked for him in Philly and KC. Andy Reid would occasionally give up the play calling duties, even though he would still have veto power, you know, before Doug Peterson got the Eagles job, before Nagy got the Bears job. He's done that before for hot coaching prospects, but he's been coaching as a head coach for two decades. So he knows that his value is in his game plan and in his strategy and his consistency and yes, in his play calling, but in his quarterback development, like Andy Reid's got so many pelts on the wall of things that he is good at. And I just mentioned the biggest ones, game planning and QB development and maximizing quarterbacks that if he didn't call plays for five games to let Matt Nagy have that on his resume, when he was heading in for a job interview, like he he's fine. Matt Nagy, he's a confident guy, but I cannot see him having that much self-confidence that he's like, yeah, let's turn this over to Mark Helfrich. Because then if they're better with Helfrich calling the plays, I think that reflects poorly on the second-year head coach. 
I would just be really surprised if he did that. And then in terms of having too many offensive weapons, no, they're not even close to that. David Montgomery is an offensive weapon who the Broncos keyed in on because the run calls today were painfully obvious and telegraphed, but at least they were there. Allen Robinson is a legitimate number one receiver. You know, there's probably a dozen receivers in the NFL better than Allen Robinson, but he's really, really good. Trey Burton should be much better than he is, but he can't stay healthy. Anthony Miller and Adam Shaheen are two top 50 picks who have been disappointments at receiver and tight end. Taylor Gabriel, Mitch Trubisky airmailed him today, but you know, he's fast. He's a gadget player. And Tariq Cohn is a gadget player also, but is really, really dangerous and versatile with the ball in his hands. And it's easier to get him the ball than it is Taylor Gabriel or Cordero Patterson. So no, they don't have too many. It's not like paralysis by analysis. They, they don't have enough guys who are really good. They've got a lot of gadget guys like Taylor Gabriel, run them on a nine route, kind of a gadget. Tariq Cohn, kind of a gadget. Cordero Patterson, kind of a gadget. Trey Burton, kind of a ghost. Shaheen, Anthony Miller, ghosts. Mike Davis, predictable. So they're not close to having too many offensive weapons. 855-212-4227 is the number. John in NYC on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, John? Hey, Danny. Thank you for taking my call. Before I get to my point, uh, you had a gentleman talk about Tom Brady. Tom Brady, to me, is the Derrick Jeter of the NFL. You know, the guy just wins. He was a good, he's a good football player. He's going to go down as the greatest because he won the most. But he's the Derrick Jeter. He just always gets the job done, you know? So, for those Boston guys, I know they don't want to hear it, but he's Derrick Jeter of the NFL. Yeah, I think as an actual player in terms of the talent, Brady is better at what he did than Jeter yeah. was at what he did. But in terms agree. of clutchness and winning and all of that, I I under I understand the parallel you're making. But Brady's a better quarterback than Jeter was a shortstop. But I, I, I understand the point you're making. Right now, so my point, when I, and I talked to your producer about this, um, I I, I'm, I started the clock for Daniel Jones already. The, the the Giants are just unwatchable right now, and even with Barkley. I mean, the guy had 55 yards in the first drive, and he doesn't see the ball again into the second quarter or, or whatnot. Like, I just don't know what's going on as far as play calling-wise, as far as scheming-wise. Like, we had uh, Shepard out for the game. I didn't see Ingram schemed into the, into, the, into the game. I didn't see Barkley going to the slot receiver and actually run a route. Like, I just feel like the Giants are too vanilla right now, and we just need some excitement. Is it going to be better with Jones? Probably not. But I would rather see Daniel Jones take his lumps and bruises and grow with Saquon Barkley than to keep watching men step back and, and, and one, miss a couple of receivers, and two, just it's just, it's just lack of excitement. That, that's, Listen, that's I, I'm, I'm with you. I think also I, I think the biggest part of it is you guys have your coach. Like, if, if Pat Shermer's your coach and he's offensive-minded, then there's no reason to hide Daniel Jones. You may as well get I him agree. the reps. If you guys had a defensive coach who you were going to fire and he'd have to learn a whole new system, then I could see hiding the young guy. But if you've got your system in place, play the young guy because Eli Manning is washed up. He is With a capital done. W. Now, yeah. my, my, question, my, my question to you also is this. Even though I, I, I respect Pat Sherman as an offensive mind, I've seen what he did you know, in Minnesota and things like that. And he's done some good things. But do you think he's coaching kind of 
like, tentatively because of Manning and the whole situation? Like, do you think he's kind of holding back? Because I've honestly seen him call – maybe he had a bad game today, but I've actually seen him call better games in Minnesota and stuff like that. And actually, scheme, you know, he had Stephon Diggs. I receiving calls injured. I get it. But I just see him scheme better and, and, you know, just do better things offensively. But I just don't know what's going on. It could well, a huge part of it, right a, a huge part of it, and thanks for the call, is just straight up personnel, right? Like when you have, you mentioned Minnesota, right? Watch that a lot of that game today. When you've got Dalvin Cook and Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, you can make Kirk Cousins look okay. But Kirk Cousins looked awful often today because he's not very talented. Eli Manning at this point is just not talented. The offensive line isn't very good, sure, but he's old, he's slow, he's lost the zip on his fastball, he's not good. So, Pat Shermer is not a magician. He can only play call what he has. Going away from Saquon Barkley, honestly, there's an argument to be made that every hit that Saquon Barkley takes right now on this sorry-ass Giants team is just wasting his specialness and his production. The Giants defense, by the way, whew. That is a special kind of horrible. You got to be starting guys against them in daily fantasy and doing anything you can to get guys playing the Giants into the lineup. They don't tackle. Last week against the Cowboys, just no tackling. Same thing this week. Guy catches the ball. He like braces for impact. Thinks there's going to be three guys around him. It never comes. Totally bizarre situation with the Giants, but Pat Shermer is not entirely to blame. I want to talk about some of the big stories in terms of what moves the needle off the field in the NFL coming up, and we'll give our first look ahead to week three as well. It's the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 